Hey friends, welcome back to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Audrey Lee Hickman Hunter. The No Wrong Turns podcast talks to people about their story and their passions. It aims to see how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Happy New Year's Eve. If you're listening to this episode on the day that it drops, then it is New Year's Eve, the last day of 2019. 2019 has been quite a year for me. Here are some of my highlights. First would be graduating with my Master's of Divinity from grad school from Moody Theological Seminary. Shout out to you, Mother Moody. Hashtag God bless the school that DL Moody founded. Also, another huge feat is that today, December 31st, 2019, marks one year that my husband Dietrich and I have been married. So happy first anniversary, Dietrich. And another big highlight for me is to have started this podcast. I wanted to thank all of you, my listeners, cheerleaders, and supporters, and those of you who have shared about my budding baby podcast. Thank you. As this year comes to a close with 2020 upon us, I can't believe I'm saying those that those words, that year 2020, it's so crazy. I've been starting to ponder what I'm looking forward to and what goals I have for 2020. In my next episode, I'll be sharing with you all a few of those goals. And a little bit later in the podcast, I'll be sharing with you how this week's giveaway sponsor, yes, that is correct. You heard me correctly. Not only do we have a sponsor for this week's episode, but our sponsor is sponsoring our first No Wrong Turns pod giveaway. This sponsor specializes in the goal forming and writing department, and I can't wait to share more details with you later on in the podcast. This is our fourth episode. Today on the podcast, we welcome Macy. I met Macy when she and I were part of the summer missions team program. Yes, this is the same summer missions team that one of our previous guests, Chris Shea, was the director of. Although Macy and I were not on the same team, we got to know each other through the training times before and processing times after our summer mission trips. In this episode, Macy shares about her childhood life, growing up in New Orleans, then her experience of living through Hurricane Katrina that led to her move up north to Minnesota, and now to her most recent move to Chicago. Macy shares with us about how pursuing her passion of teaching children has pivoted her from one vocation to another. You're going to want to lean in and not miss hearing about how Macy found her passion and what vocation she decided to use it in. No matter if this is your story and you can relate to her or not, I believe that there is something in this episode for you. Play song. All right, here's my conversation with Macy. Welcome to the No Wrong Turns podcast. I have Macy, and she is my uh, our fourth guest on the No Wrong Turns pod. So welcome, Macy. Thank you, Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on my baby podcast here. Can you just introduce yourself to us and maybe tell us who you are, where you're from, and maybe a fun fact or two? Sure. Uh, my name is Macy, and um, I am from uh, the Minneapolis, Minnesota area. Um, during my twenties or teens to twenties year olds, um, and then uh, <laughs> I'm like trying to. Uh, but I was born in Louisiana, and um, after uh, after um, Hurricane Katrina, we moved to uh, Minneapolis. So that's where I've 
lived most of my adult life mm-hmm. so far. And um, I loved living there. It's a good place, besides a cold. And uh, <laughs> I was trying to think one, well, one fun fact about me is that I've done summer mission team twice. And I love that. Ooh. So I've been to India and Papua New Guinea through that program. So I really enjoyed that. What was the most interesting thing or different thing that you got to eat when you were in either of those places? <laughs> well, India was always an adventure with the food uh, because you just <laughs> never knew. Um, a lot of their food actually where I was was pretty spicy, which I don't know if that's common in, in all parts of India, but like actual spicy, not just spices. Um <laughs> so I think actually the most interesting thing we ate there was probably their traditional meal um, just because of there's a certain way to eat it and like you have to use you have to do it step by step and that was the most interesting part of it and especially if you didn't like a flavor in the f- certain steps so it was like oh, okay this is <laughs> interesting but in Papua New Guinea we ate this like slimy slug type thing oh it was nasty was it alive uh no it wasn't alive but it was definitely disgusting and i couldn't get it down it's i don't think it was actually a bug but it kind of reminded me like of a like a fat slug so gross i don't (laughs) i have never had slug so i trust your opinion there it's probably you know an acquired taste or a taste oh i'm sure so you said you lived in louisiana can you tell us a little bit how that was like living in the southern parts? I've never been to Louisiana, so could you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, sure. Um, I grew up there, um, and I lived with my mom and dad and sister and brother. And my dad was not very consistent in our lives, so it's mostly my mom and my sister and brother. Um, we didn't really have a very good life there, actually, um, just because my parents... It kind of struggled a lot, uh, and I love I love living in Louisiana and the like culture of um, Louisiana, and mm-hmm. especially the food. But uh, mm. in our home life, no that slugs. Was a, no slugs. That's <laughs> right. A lot of seafood, but no slugs. We definitely um, struggled a lot um, growing up. I didn't even know I didn't even know what Christianity was really most of my childhood. Um, most of the time I lived there or even knew who Jesus was. Um, and my mom struggled a lot taking care of us. And at some points mm-hmm. she didn't know how to take care of us well. So um, we did end up living in foster care for a couple of years, but she did get us back eventually and um, did try hard. Uh, but it was just hard being a mom for her. So yeah, that's kind of like my childhood mostly, I guess. So when you moved to Minnesota, was it you and your siblings and your mom and your dad or just the the four of you? Uh, it was just uh, the four of us at that point. My dad okay. had been out of the picture for a little while by that time. He, mm-hmm. he really struggles. Well, he did, especially then, um, struggled with being involved in things that weren't good for him or for us. And um, Mm -hmm. he eventually did join us in Minnesota, but it was later on. Um, But we came to Minnesota, just the four of us, after after we lost everything, our home and everything where we lived in Louisiana. Could you walk us through that um, transition time, like from... um 
uh, like the Hurricane Katrina to how you got to Minnesota? Yeah. So it was in 2005 that Hurricane Katrina happened. And uh, me, my brother and sister, we, and my mom, we were living there. And um, I remember when um, they were talking about that this uh, hurricane was coming through and um, they suggested that everyone leave. But my mom um, decided that we would stay. Uh, And so we lived on like the first floor. Um, Our apartment was a a first floor apartment only. And then above us um, was another apartment. The nighttime through the first night was a lot of storms and um, rain that came. And then by morning time, our apartment was already starting to flood. And so Mm -hmm. um, we we were me and my mom were trapped in the apartment uh, just because of the pressure. They couldn't we couldn't get the door open because of the water pressure so where were your oh where were your siblings yeah they were upstairs at a neighbor's house so not directly upstairs but just at a friend's house um just hanging out for the night because they thought it they thought it was an adventure because we're all having a sleepover (laughs) but I stayed downstairs and oh um, wait I have one more question for you sorry to interrupt you how old were you at this time I was 12 okay and and then how old uh, were your siblings my brother was 13 and my sister was 10. Okay. Or, yeah, 10. Yeah. So they actually had to come, the neighbor directly above us had to come down and kick the door open in order for us to get out. And then when wow. we did, we um, did stay upstairs at that apartment. Uh-huh. And the waters did just keep coming. And at one point, our whole apartment was underwater. And, wow. um, as we were upstairs, the the okay, the kind of crazy part of this is that these neighbors upstairs, they didn't have any furniture in their house really, except for a bed. It was weird. <laughs> so a uh, guy, a lady, and a guy that were um, together, and they only had a bed, but they had like thirty black cats. She had a thing with black cats, and so in the cabinets, if you can Ew. picture in a kitchen. All the cabinets are wide open and all the cats are in the cabinets just hanging out. And it was like there's poop and pee everywhere. It was just disgusting. Yeah. Just it probably ingrained. was a bit stinky. Yeah, ingrained in my memory. And but at that when we were up there, we didn't think that we would be up there forever, but slowly the water just kept rising and kept rising, kept rising. And then that's when I really got scared because I realized there's no, the, for us, there was no more up. Like we couldn't uh-huh. get up any, we couldn't go up any further. So like whatever happened was going to happen and the water wasn't stopping. So that was a little bit of a terrifying moment. Also, yeah. that was a moment where I felt a lot of peace as well. I mm. think when you, I know it sounds weird, but when you think about, oh, this, I might die today. You often think about where you're going to go after you die And Mm -hmm. um, that was the first thing I thought. And I just felt this overwhelming peace that it was going to be okay. And I knew, like, later looking back, I knew that was the first time um, that I felt the Holy Spirit with me. And Mm -hmm. um, I knew that the Lord was going to, even though I didn't really know anything about being Christian or what that meant, I knew I was going to be okay. So late, late, late that night. So this is probably like early, early in the morning, like um, into the afternoon, but um, the water just kept coming, kept coming. And then late into the night, we noticed the water was slowing down. And then a rescue boat eventually did come get us. And then we, me, my sister and my mom, we were transported 
um, to a hospital and my brother was left behind because uh, wow. there wasn't uh, enough room. And he, remember, like, he's only 13 at this time, so he was scared, probably. Um, we went yeah. to a hospital where we had to be lifted onto the roof to get into the hospital. And inside of there, there was people in the hallways, on the floor, um, laying down. And remember when I was talking about those cats and how it smelled? Yeah. That's the same smell was there, like... They, they weren't being, these older people weren't being changed um, out of their diapers or anything. I can just smell like awfulness everywhere. The next day we were transported to a juvenile center where the um, inmates were taken already out. And that's where we stayed for the day until um, later that evening we were taken um, on a ferry. Eventually my brother did get um, come back with us when we were in the jail. They eventually found Oh, I was going to ask you, what about your brother? Yeah. And um, he, well, and when you're in the middle of a disaster, you don't prepare, you like don't have any time to prepare. So he wasn't wearing any shoes. And so a helicopter was landing and his foot got sliced open. So they had, he then had to have my flip flops that I had on. So then um, when we were going on the ferry, there was like this graded um, metal. So you couldn't really walk on it. So the firefighter had me on his back and was carrying me to the boat. Just like so many moments where you think like, wow, I like think back to that and how um, how good people were to us. And that's when we were transported to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where we stayed in a shelter for about a month. And then later on, uh, relocated to Minnesota. So, so kind of did you have any any possessions or anything with you? No, not anything but the clothes we had on at that point. When we, would, wow. when we did get to the shelter, they did give us, um, um, they had donated clothes. So they did give us um, clean clothes so we could shower and and in this shelter thing, shelter that we were in, it was just like mm-hmm. an office type building. So we were like sleeping in the hallways of um, this building until they made this like stadium that was that you could sleep in the arena area. But once we started, once they started pushing us towards that, that's when we ended up relocating to Minnesota and getting getting out of there, which was a good point to get going. How long did it take you to get from? From when Hurricane Katrina happened to get to Minnesota? It was probably a month and a half total that we were wow. uh, between when the hurricane happened and relocating. It took a little while. Um, and we were just the beginning. We were like phase one of getting us to Baton Rouge. Um, we were like the first people to be there in that shelter. And so I knew that I knew that meant for a lot of other people that it would be a long journey for them. So it's difficult. And how did they how did they choose or how did you choose Minnesota? Uh, my mom had um, her great aunt lived in Minnesota and she called her and, okay. and she asked her if we we could come and she said, sure, come and you guys can stay with me. Um, and so that's how, oh, how okay. we got our beginning marks um, here. Because I was thinking Minnesota's kind of like <laughs> almost the opposite of Louisiana, uh, yes. like weather and climate wise. Yeah. Okay, now I get how you got there. Okay. Well, that's later cool. on when the Salvation Army, because that's how I met the Salvation Army is through this process too. Okay. Um, they had talked about that there weren't many people that relocated to Minnesota. So <laughs> there were some... <laughs> Which isn't surprising because it's cold, so. Very true. So how did you meet the Salvation Army during this process? Well, um, uh, as we were 
living there, we, my mom was trying to figure out what she could do to get some help, um, to, cause we really didn't have anything at that living point. in Minnesota or Baton yeah, Rouge? in okay. Minnesota at this now, she was trying to figure out how we could get help to start over. And, um, I think someone, she found out that Salvation Army was um, doing partnering with Target to do like a coat slash clothing um, distribution. Um, okay. And so we went and then some volunteers, uh, the volunteer that shopped with me was a member of a Salvation Army Corps in the city or Salvation Army mm-hmm. Church in the city. And uh, she was telling me about it as she was shopping with me. I didn't I don't really understand what she was saying, but I just knew that. <laughs> she was nice and um so we we got what we needed and we left and they eventually called us back and was like hey we have a ton of stuff left over you guys should come back and get some more things um because we didn't have as many people as we expected to have which is uh, <laughs> what relates back to what i was saying and so um we went back and then uh a little i think um, not that long later, we got an invitation in the mail to go to camp with um, the Salvation Army, and mm-hmm. um, we ended up going, and then um, they invited us to church, and so me and my brother and sister um, started going to the church there, and that's kind of how our beginning started um, with the Salvation Army, and um, they were very intentional with us and um, took care of us well, especially in a season when um, we didn't have very much at all, so that's good. awesome. Um, were, did you live close to the Salvation Army, or uh, no, we didn't. They would actually come and pick us up every time we went to church. So on Sunday, on Wednesday, on teen program nights, um, they would always come and pick us up, and it was a good twenty twenty five minute drive. Wow, so, that's awesome. Yeah, they were really good to us. So after you, you, you were getting resettled and kind of getting into uh, a new kind of life up in Minnesota, you were in what grade? Sixth um, grade or seventh yeah, grade? Six, yeah, sixth grade. So then you went to school, middle school, high school, mm-hmm. and then you went to college. And yes. what did you – you went to college in Minnesota, right? Yes, Mm-hmm. Was that a hard decision to make, or you knew you wanted to stay in Minnesota? No, I knew I wanted to stay in Minnesota. I like by that time, I was ready to leave home. Um, well, I had been ready to leave home for a while, but I knew that I wanted to leave, and I knew I wanted to go to college, and I absolutely knew I wanted to go to Christian college. Um, so I just looked up all the Christian colleges in Minnesota in the area. And I applied mm-hmm. to the f- top five that I thought um, I'd be interested in going to and then ended up picking North Central University. Um, the finances so, worked out better there. So why did you want to only go to a Christian college? That's a good question. So, like, at that time, like, in my teen, year, teen years, like, there was a lot going on, um, there was a lot, like, I when I was in foster care, when we were younger, we experienced a lot of abuse and um, a lot of trauma that came with mm-hmm. um, being in foster care and living with the people we lived with. But um, my mom was not in a good place, in a healthy place to take care of us. And she really, she really struggled. And um, that came with a lot of abuse and um, moments where... I didn't, I didn't want to be in that environment and none of us did, but I really, 
really just felt uncomfortable. And I ran away a few times, but they kept bringing me back. So my, <laughs> wow, yeah. So I, um, I knew when I was old enough to leave and to get out of the house, I knew that I wanted to uh, not be anything like my parents. And because they didn't love the Lord and they didn't make good choices, I knew I wanted to go in the opposite direction. So it only made sense for me because I'd been growing so much at this point in my faith that I wanted to, to grow more and to be um, found, foundationally sound in what it meant to be a Christian and to live like that. So I felt like going to a Christian college would help me guide, would help guide and direct me into um, the person I was hoping to be and who God created me to be. And so that's the main reasoning why I wanted to go to a Christian college. So. Okay. Another follow-up question. So mm-hmm. when did you, I guess I, I should have asked this before, before this, but when did you um, become a believer? Yeah. So it was pretty quick after we um, started going to the Salvation Army Church, um, the core. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a Friday night and they had kind of like prayer and praise night for teens and younger adults, but they oh, called fun. it something different back then. And I went and they, someone was preaching a message on like God loving us, just a basic salvation message. And I knew that, um, what I knew was that I wasn't, I wasn't loved or didn't feel like I was loved properly growing up or even at that moment, because, um, people who love you wouldn't treat you the way that I was being treated. And so I, um, I wanted to know what this love was and um, who this God was that showed this kind of love. So um, that night I accepted Jesus for the first time. And um, and I knew that meant leaving everything else behind and um, like fully um, trusting him and leaving shame behind and leaving hurt behind. Um, there had to be a lot of healing still in my life after um after those, after my childhood, but in that moment, I knew that I was going to be okay. And I knew that, um, the Lord, uh, took me in and, uh, called me his own. So, um, that was a, a special, uh, special time for me. And that was when I was, um, 12 still. So. Oh, wow. So then almost like half of middle school and all of high school was like preparing you to um, help decide where you wanted, what kind of college environment you Mm -hmm. wanted to have. Yeah, that's exactly right. So how did you, what was your, uh, degree that you chose and how did you decide to pursue that? So through middle school and high school at the core, um, they would often, um, ask me if I wanted to help with the kids programs or help volunteer mostly through middle school. And then, uh, in high school, we got, we had gotten a new youth director and they did, um, summer programs, summer day camp. And, um, she was doing, um, you could be a leader for that. And that really, that really instilled in me like, Oh, I really love working with kids. And, um, I love, and I think that, um, I loved working with them a lot because I knew I could create a safe environment for them. And that was something I lacked as a child so often. Um, and so that's what I wanted. Like, I knew that it didn't matter. Kids weren't going to learn unless they were in an environment where it was, um, safe for them to learn. So that meant making Uh sure that they had food and they weren't hungry. Cause when kids, um, 
grow up in poverty or grow up in um, abusive homes, like they're in survival mode. They're not trying to learn. All they're trying to do is survive. And I wanted mm -hmm. to make sure they had those foundational pieces to just being a kid and um, so that they can learn well. And so that really um, kind of sparked the, the the passion for um, children and wanting to teach them. And so I went, when I went to college, I got a degree in elementary education. So that teaching, um, teaching kindergarten through sixth graders. And I loved, like, I loved my clinicals and I love my student teaching. And um, I knew that God had me where he, he wanted me and that it was going to be good. And so that I continued through that. Um, and then eventually graduated. But as I was going through college, I also worked at the core and I was a youth worker. So I worked at the core and was an RA and did school. So I really had a balancing wow. act some years. Yeah. <laughs> some years I was like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? But Sleeping. it really, yeah, but it really prepared me for like where I am even today. And even going into my youth director physician job, and I love ministry and I love teaching. I think that that was a huge thing for me too, because I learned that I love ministry with children. I one time said, oh, I don't want to go into church ministry because I want to teach kids. And my officer said to me, well, you are teaching kids in this, as in this environment, in this aspect. You're just teaching them about Jesus and not about the basics, math and science and things like that. And that really, that really changed my mindset and it's like that's what I need to be doing I need to be teaching them about Jesus and that's what they need to know like they need to know how much God loves them and um, I can show them that through me loving them too wow was this the same Salvation Army church that you went to when you were growing up is the same one you went to in college or was it different it was actually a different one um, because the one that I grew up going to was like 30 minutes away from my college or more. Mm -hmm. And then this, this one that I started working at was about a 10 minute drive from my college. So the office, I actually wasn't going like at first I started school and I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know if I was going to go to the Salvation Army or go to um, a church connected to my university. And the officer mm -hmm. actually called me and she said, Hey, we're needing help with our kids program. <laughs> we heard that you're really good with kids would you be interested in volunteering? And I was like, uh, sure. And I was like, but I don't have a car. So if you can pick me up, that would, that would help me a lot. Um, and that's, that really is what started the connection. And even some of my college roommates, um, ended up, uh, working there as well. So. Wow. Eventually. That's awesome. They just, they, they got to you. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. they did. Um, so you graduated. In what year did you graduate? Um, I graduated in 2017. 2017. <laughs> and what what was your job? Did you have a job set up for after college? I know you uh, said you were a youth director yeah, during college. Well, I was a, actually a youth worker during college and just like an assistant to the, the youth director they already had okay. there. And um, then uh, after I knew I was going to be graduating soon, so I um, had lined up a job um, to teach in Arizona kindergarten, hmm. and that I was really excited about that.
we have our first sponsored giveaway here on the No Wrong Turns pod. And I could not be more excited. I don't know if you can tell through my voice or not. Um, Our sponsored giveaway is from a company called Cultivate What Matters. Cultivate What Matters is a company that creates products to help lead people through the process of finding what truly matters to them and then how to do something about it. It's easy to feel overwhelmed by everything on your plate and disappointed when you're not spending time doing the things you love and caring for the people you love. You want to leave the overwhelm behind and finally make progress on your goals with joy. Is that even possible? Cultivate What Matters was created to give you the community, resources, and encouragement to realize that you can make great things, big or small, happen. The three-step proven process in the Cultivate What Matters best-selling tool, the Power Sheets Intentional Goal Planner, guides you to uncover the goals that matter, make an action plan you can't wait to get started on, and live it out with joy. They do things differently. Cultivate What Matters helps you focus on your progress, not perfection. So we will be giving away a 2020 one-year PowerSheets Intentional Goal Planner along with a 2020 Goal Setting Sticker Book. And this is a $75 value. And this could be yours to help you get 2020 started off on the right foot. I'm so excited for this possibility to just help us in our goal setting. So here are some of the rules and specifics for this giveaway. First, make sure you're following No Wrong Turns Pod if you're not already. Second, comment and tag two people on our Cultivate What Matters giveaway post on the No Wrong Turns Instagram or Facebook. Three, repost for extra chances to win. And yes, you may enter as many times as you may like. Four, the giveaway will be open from Tuesday, December 31st, 2019, all the way till next year, Sunday, January 12th, 2020 at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. At that time, a winner will be chosen at random. Five, the winner will be announced in the following No Wrong Turns pod episode that comes out Tuesday, January 14th, 2020, and then shared on our social medias. And six, and six, this Instagram slash Facebook giveaway is not sponsored, endorsed, or administered by or associated with Facebook or Instagram. For more details on the 2020 One Year Power Sheets Intentional Goal Planner along with the 2020 goal setting sticker book, please check out cultivatewhatmatters.com. You were saying, Macy, that after college, um, you had a job opportunity in Arizona to be a kindergarten teacher. Did you know somebody in Arizona or did it was it just a job search kind of thing that you found out about? Yeah, I didn't know anyone. I went to a a teaching job fair and that's how I got connected um, to them. And it just seemed like a good fit. And so I did summer mission team right before I was going to go. And I found out that the school there started way sooner than it did in Minnesota. So that meant my kindergartners would have been in um, school for three weeks already. And Uh, they would have a substitute teacher for the first three weeks. And I just was not okay with that. I was like, they are going to learn. They're not going to learn like my classroom rules and um, system. And I won't be there to have them start and meet their parents. So that was really hard for me. And um, the youth the youth director that was in the position at the Salvation Army, she had just quit the job and her and her husband were going to be missionaries in um, Europe. So, um, 
they I didn't know like I knew that she was um quitting the job and she had asked me if I would be interested in a position and I and I just said no I um I want to be a teacher so that's what I'm focusing on and then the officers came to me and they said um we really think that you would be do really well in this position and we've been praying about it and we want to offer you this job and ask me to pray about it and I was like really like no I I already committed to something and so but I did I did pray about it and I really felt like the Lord had uh, established that to be where I was supposed to be that year and so I took the job and then after I came back from India I got really I was sick in India from just the food and um, just my body couldn't digest food well when I got back so I spent some time in the hospital and with oh, being wow. with being sick they the salvation army and the officers there they were really understanding and they knew that they could offer me still offer me this position even though I was sick and that they could um accommodate for what I was going through um I did get I did get it better but in that moment that was just reaffirming that they were on my side and cheering me on and they were willing to work with me so yeah that was really cool yeah that's that sounds like just like the perfect case of like God's timing and yes all of the situations of having a job being sick but having them like hold your job and like waiting for you waiting for you to get better Mm -hmm. and to have that right there waiting for you that's awesome yeah it was really cool of them so you had the youth director position yes and how long (laughs) did you have that position for did you change to another job or what was your how long did that work? So I was a youth director for a little over a year and new officers actually came in. And before they came in, I the, the Salvation Army moves for pastors came out and my officers were on the list. And that, I think that broke me a little. And uh, knowing like, so before... So rewind a little before this, at a youth councils, when I was... in. I think I was 21 and I was at a youth councils and they had an altar call for um, calling people to officership come up if you feel called like God is calling you to this and I instantly mm-hmm. shut down and I was like no not interested like <laughs> if like I've had people tell me all the time like you should go into ministry you'd be a great officer and I'm like God didn't tell me that so I'm not I'm, <laughs> like if and he's like but God to-, they would say God told me I'm like well let God know to tell me <laughs> and like joke <laughs> around with them like because I just, that was not something, I loved my job and I loved what I was doing and it wasn't something I felt, because at that time I was um, going to school to be a teacher and I didn't feel called to ministry. And mm-hmm. um, at youth councils when I was 21, they had this altar call and in, in my seat, I just felt so uncomfortable and I instantly just was crying. There were so many tears coming and down my face, and I was like, what is going on right now? I'm so confused. And my officer just leaned over to me, and she said, um, she's like, I'm not really sure what's going on, but can I pray for you? And I said yes. And I knew that God was calling me in that moment to um, pursue um, this path of officership, and I wasn't I wasn't open to it. I, I outwardly say that maybe I said to her that maybe I could 
quit school and go to training and um, do that, that I was willing and I was open, but I actually wasn't because soon after youth councils, I immediately dismissed the idea. I was like, nope, I'm not, I'm not called to do that. This, I need to finish what I'm doing. And um, I was really disobedient to what God was calling me to do. And that was, um, I think that was really a huge part that played into um, other things. So back to when my officers found out they were getting moved, I just felt broken because I wasn't obedient to God's call. So that meant that they couldn't walk through the process with me of um, going to training. And I was so mad at myself. Like, why didn't I just trust God's timing and so I just prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I wrote this letter to my officers and I just said, um, sometimes when we're scared or feel like we don't have the ability to do um, what God is calling us to do or feel like we're maybe not equipped to do what God is calling us to do, we run away from that. And that was mm-hmm. exactly what was happening for me. And I was su- and I was very disobedient to God's call and I walked away from what he was ultimately calling me to do. And in that moment, I felt so scared because they wouldn't be there to um, cheer me on in this process and um, show me what it meant to to be an officer and to go through like the paperwork and everything that comes with that. And so I did. That's when I did start the process. And um, not that long later, when we got new Mm -hmm. officers, things just didn't work out um, for me to be there. Um, They had a different idea of what ministry looked like. And um, different than what ministry we were already doing, and that was very hard for me. It's a lot of a lot of a lot of praying because I did not want to leave. Um, I knew that the teens and the kids there would be hurt if I left, and I wasn't ready for that. And I knew they wouldn't be ready for that. But I knew that God had something different for me, and and mm-hmm. so I quit my job and. Um, the Salvation Army asked me to do if I would go to Fargo, North Dakota and do a ministry discovery program internship for uh, the little time I for the time I had left before I went to training. And I said yes. So that started a new adventure for me. That was um, part of God's plan and not just mine. Wow. So you were in North Dakota for how long before you went to uh Chicago uh it was less than a year a little under a year like 11 months and can you explain what CFOT is exactly (laughs) yeah CFOT is uh stands for college for officer training and what that means is um those in the Salvation Army who um are interested in or pursuing to be pastors within the church, they come um, here for a two-year program or a 22-month program to learn um, to kind of be not, we're not ordained, well, we are in a way, but it's not the same as seminary. It mm-hmm. looks different because it's, 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 it's his own Salvation Army training college. So it's, um, they sometimes will describe it like it's maybe similar to seminary, but it's just so where the Salvation Army can train up um, and their ministers or their pastors, which they call officers. Awesome. Thank you for making, for explaining that. Sorry, um, it was a little rough. <laughs> no, that, that was good. Sweet. So how long have you been there for now? I am in my third month now 
Um, so the adventures kind of just started. Um, it started in August, and um, yeah, it's been it's been crazy, busy, challenging already. But it's been really good too, and I can just I just have so much peace about being here, and um, I know that God's plan is. Um, being here I've had like um overwhelming peace about being here and um I know that God's plan is bigger than what I could um ever imagine and there's moments where things are challenging or hard or confusing but um there's also moments here where things have been um, really good and I've learned a lot and um I know that God is in this um, time preparing me for full-time ministry so when will you graduate? I'll graduate from the training college in um, June of 2021. That sounds so futuristic, doesn't it? <laughs> I know. Yes, it does. But it'll be That's... here in no time. I know. Don't blink. It's going to happen I so know, quick. Oh, really? It feels like I can't even already believe that we've already been here for as long as we have, because some days it just feels like we just got here. But I know that we've already done so many things. So That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Macy, for sharing your story and um, just letting us see through your story how um, your passions have grown and, cha- and been transformed and to the place where you are today. Yeah, I really enjoyed sharing with you. Thank you. No, thank you. I have one question left that I am asking all of the No Wrong Turns podcast uh, guests, and that is, what is fueling you today? What's fueling your passion? That could be anything from a new show you discovered on Netflix to a new favorite part of town to a new... uh, uh, restaurant. So what's feeling you today? Well, being here, well, before I got here, I met, um, a friend, her name is Shannon and she, uh, we met through summer mission team and we kind of went through this process of going to training together, like the paperwork process, doctor's appointments, and we would uh, chat a lot. And, um, being here and being with her has been so awesome because, um, just having, like what's fueling me right now is like friendship and someone who can encourage and um, push me and challenge me. And that has been so awesome. And I've been really just so thankful for her and um, being able to learn together. So that's awesome. I think it's really great that you already have somebody that's been like with you in this process. So you can Mm -hmm. kind of lean on each other, bounce things back and forth and not feel like alone during this time. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's been really great having her. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the podcast, Macy. Thank you, Audrey. (laughs) Friends, I have loved getting to chat with Macy and hearing her story about how and why she developed her passion for teaching children. I hope that we are all encouraged today about how Macy found her passion and then worked through and decided how and what her vocation was going to be to use her passion in. You might be like Macy and have a passion that has a seemingly traditional vocation, but like Macy, maybe you need to keep your eyes and heart open to other vocations that use your passion. My prayer for you is that you would consider what God has for you and what he might be leading you to. 
A quick reminder for you that in my next episode, I will be sharing the winner of our first giveaway with Cultivate What Matters 2020 One Year Power Sheets Intentional Goal Planner, along with our 2020 Goal Setting Sticker Book. This will be announced in our next episode, which is coming out on January 14th, 2020. To enter, you simply need to make sure you're following the at no wrong turns pod. If you're not already, comment and tag two people on our Cultivate What Matters giveaway post on either Facebook or Instagram. Repost for extra chances to win. Yes, you can repost and post and comment as many times as you like. Fourth, the contest is open from today, December 31st to Sunday, January 12th, 2020 at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, The winner and five, the winner will be announced on the No Wrong Turns pod episode that comes out Tuesday, January 14th. 2020 and also share in our media social medias for more details about cultivate what matters check out their website at cultivatewhatmatters.com and join us in two weeks for our next episode drop please see the show notes for our music credits